Hello and welcome to another episode of Talk Jela, a podcast series by Weird Kaya. I'm your host Sarah Yeo, and today we have a very special guest with us for today's episode. So he's the member of Parliament for Bangi, and he's also the former Deputy Minister of International Trade and Industry. So let us all give a very warm welcome to YB Ong Kian Ming. Hi Sarah, um, you can call me Dr. Ong or Kian Ming. Maybe Dr. Ong would be easier. Yeah, thanks for inviting me for your to your program. Okay, all right, and we also like to thank you for being willing to be part of today's um, episode as well. So today, it will be a little bit special because what we're going to talk about today is about BM or Bahasa Malaysian Fluency among Malaysians. So in line with this topic, this entire interview will be conducted in both BM and English. So to all of you who are tuning in right now, you will now be able to listen to this um, discussion in two languages. So you can choose which language that you prefer or are comfortable with. Right, so let's first um, dive into a rather casual or ice-breaking question just to start things off. So Dr. Ong, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the, the worst and number 10 being paling best, like you are super confident in it, how would you rate your BM proficiency? Uh, well, just for context, uh, I studied until uh, Form 3 in Malaysia. Uh, so I have uh, the equivalent of a PMR or SRP certification in BM, uh, where I scored an A2. Uh, and then I went to Singapore to do my O and A levels, uh, where I continued to study in BM. I study, uh, continue to study BM, uh, but the BM standard in Singapore is obviously not as high as in Malaysia. Uh, so I would say that I would have been maybe a 7 or 8 when I was in school. Uh, now... Uh, you know, I would probably rate myself as a six uh, on the verbal part and then maybe a five or average uh, on a on a written part. Uh, I've not written, uh, you know, many statements uh, in BM over the past few years. Uh, you know, I've, I've done some, uh, but mostly my statements are in English uh, and uh, those are translated into BM and also uh, Chinese. Uh, but in Parliament, obviously, uh, I have to debate in the national language BM. And uh, I have to use BM to converse with my uh, voters, more than 50% of whom are from the Malay community. So I've had to practice it quite a bit and hopefully it's improved since I came back from my PhD in the United States. Mm, okay, all right. So just now you mentioned about having to write statements in BM and also conversing with your constituents and, attend and debating in parliament um, in BM as well. So I'm actually just curious, is it a must for all members of parliament to debate in BM or are they allowed to, you know, use uh, English interchangeably? In the Malaysian parliament uh, and in all the state assemblies, uh, except for one, uh, the only BM can be used, uh, you know, predominantly. Uh, we can use English words or perhaps uh, English uh, quotations from others who are in, uh, in English. Uh, but we have to ask permission from the speaker. Usually we say dengan uh, izin or with permission. And then we will quote certain uh, words in English or, or in, uh, you know, uh, even in other languages, but predominantly in English. Uh, the only state assembly or the only elected assembly where uh, mm. English is allowed to be used, uh, you know, as as a equal, so to speak, a form of communication would be in the state of Sarawak. Uh, where both English and BM are used uh, by by the elected reps oh, there. For okay. all the other states, it is uh, only BM that is used mm-hmm. in the debates. Although in the Malaysian parliament, all of the laws are actually provided in two languages, both English and BM. And then the uh, Q&A, questions that are 
put forth uh, to the ministers and the deputies to be answered every morning in parliament. It is also in both languages. Uh, but when we ask those questions and when we debate, it, it is uh, in BM. Mm, okay, all right. So that is really the time where it may potentially show an MP's ability to handle BM, whether he or she is proficient in it or maybe he or she does not find it comfortable you know, debating in, in BM during uh, parliamentary sessions. So, mm. yeah, no, to, to me, it's very simple, uh, Sarah, because uh, in Malaysia, uh, in the uh, Dewan Rakyat, uh, we need to uphold the mm. uh, importance of the national language. Uh, and we also want our debates to reach uh, as large an audience as possible, right? So it is, uh, to me, a no-brainer that we should use BM uh, so that uh, any Malaysian who's tuning in, uh, you know, should theoretically be able to understand the nature of the, the debates, uh, mm. you know, and the content of the debates, lah. Yeah, uh, other than all the screaming and shouting that happens occasionally, lah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. So it's interesting to hear you say that it's a no-brainer for for Malaysians who live and stay in this country for a number of years to actually have a general understanding of BM. Because I actually want to ask you a question that is just, is it was going to represent the heart of this discussion. So just a little bit of background. This is from my own personal experience and observation. I have like among my social circles, I don't have a lot of Malay friends. I have a lot of Chinese friends. I have a lot of Indian friends. So and one thing, the one key thing I noticed about them is that they don't find it comfortable to speak in BM. Even simple phrases, simple words, they find it an epic challenge for them to let it come out of their mouths. I've also heard people commenting on, on such individuals who are not fluent in BM and they say that, oh, did you know, you are living in Malaysia and you don't know how to speak BM. This is very worrying and very concerning. So, Dr. Ong, I, do you share the same sentiments as well when you hear these kind of things going on? I can understand why uh, many non-Malays in this country uh, would have challenges uh, speaking in the national language uh, because, uh, like you, uh, they don't really have that many Malay friends to converse with. Uh, and even for many of the non-Malays in this country who do have uh, mm. Malay mm-hmm. friends, their language of communication may be in other languages, uh, mostly English. right? Uh, although, you know, I do speak to one of my Ali Majlis or counselor uh, who's a Malay person, uh, I speak to her predominantly in Chinese. Uh. Mm. So, yeah, but um, yeah, uh, that, that, those things aside, uh, yeah, I, I understand why uh, that is the case. Uh, but at the same mm, time, I do see wow. this as a disadvantage uh, because if, let's say, you're living in Malaysia and the national language is BM, you know, if you don't speak it at all or you don't speak it uh, fluently, you may not be able to, number one, uh, get to converse effectively with, you know, the Malay community. Uh, number two, you may have uh, trouble getting access to government services uh, because, you know, when you go to uh, any government department, you have to be able to speak in Malay. You have to be able to fill out the forms in Malay, right? So if you don't know the national language, you are immediately putting yourself as a disadvantage. Another important uh, issue to raise is that if many non-Malays don't speak BM or, or, or don't seem to be fluent in the national language, mm-hmm. uh, it will continue to create this perception among the Malay community that the non-Malays don't really want to sort of like be part and parcel of the Malaysian. And many of my Malay friends usually will compare us with Indonesia and say that why can't uh, us uh, non-Malays speak Bahasa Malaysia as fluently as the, 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 you know, uh, the Chinese mm-hmm. community in Indonesia, for example. Right. So all these things actually give rise to a lot of a feeling of being uncomfortable 
uh, among both the Malay as well as the mm. non-Malay community, uh, but for different reasons. Yeah, speaking of discomfort, there has been a lot of noise being made on social media and also in in the in the news headlines as well. I think some very key examples of such grouses or voices of discontent um, regarding the lack of BM proficiency among non-Malays is quite apparent um, in the case of Barisan National uh, Candidate who was actually trying to participate or answer a question posed to her by a, re- by a reporter and she found it hard to actually answer in, in BM. And in because we ourselves at Wekaya, we actually covered this and we actually saw quite a few comments saying that, oh, they were like, they were like criticizing this um candidate saying that oh you know she she's trying to reach out to us Malaysians but she can't speak BM like you know she might as well give up her IC and we shouldn't consider her as a Malaysian to begin with. So is it fair for someone who is who finds it difficult to speak in BM as and as unpatriotic or disrespectful? To the country as a whole, is it fair to pin it on them? Let me focus the discussion initially on the the person that was interviewed. Uh, I've watched the clip a number of times, and I think you know there could be different reasons mm-hmm. why she was slow to respond. Uh, the question was asked to her in BM, and then later somebody sort of like asked the same question in English as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and my sense is that it's not as if she, it's not that she couldn't answer. Uh, in BM or even in English, uh, I think it's because she's very politically inexperienced and she cannot answer straight away in, in a way that she's comfortable with in English or in BM. That, that is why I suspect. It's not that she can't speak, but it's just that uh, she probably thinks in mm-hmm. Chinese and then she was trying to translate those words into English or BM uh, and that delayed the whole process and made, made it seem as if she couldn't understand the question. I think she understood the question. It's just that she may have had trouble mm-hmm. um, expressing herself uh, in a language other than Chinese. Uh, and I think many Malaysians who don't speak BM regularly would find that mm. to be a challenge as well. Unless you're just answering very simple questions about, let's say, how much fish you want to buy or uh, how much uh, vegetables you want to buy at the market and, and very, very basic stuff like that. Uh, however, uh, that being said, mm-hmm. since this person uh, is a candidate for a sort of like a state position, uh, elected position, uh, and like I said just now, uh, you have to be able to speak BM in the state assemblies uh, of all, all the states and of course at, at the national level uh, with the exception of Sarawak, then that person should be able to speak or answer questions in, in BM relatively mm. easily la, or at least be able to come up with some sort of an answer la, in BM. Uh, and I think if let's say she wasn't able to do so, then I think the legitimate question would be whether or not she can adequately represent the voices of the, the people uh, from her constituency in the day one if she was elected as a, as a rep. Uh, so this this question has been posed to many uh, elected reps before, uh, from both sides of the divide, lah. You know those who are not very proficient in BM. You know, are, are you then able to communicate effectively in the day one? Uh, and I think uh, there are ways in which some of these challenges can be overcome. So, for example, you can get somebody to prepare a script for you to read in BM while you're in the day one to to express those uh, ideas and uh, raise those questions that you're concerned about. Uh, but to me, that's not ideal, lah, because you must be able to speak off the cuff must be able to ask questions, must be able to interject, must be able to debate in the national language uh, when you are in the uh, mm. state assembly or in the Dewan Rakyat Negara. On the, on the flip side of this argument, some has said that, you know, one's command of a language does not determine whether he or she is competent from the, for the job. Like, if he or she can actually, you know, be an upstanding um, politician, can speak for the constituents, then 
not being able to speak in BM should not be considered something that people need to get, um, you know, get excited or get offended over. So should we actually still tie these two together, competency with one's command of the of uh, of the language? In this case, that is BM. Theoretically, we don't have to. So, for example, I can be a very responsive uh, member of parliament, and I can be somebody who has very limited capacity in BM. Mm-hmm. Which is not the case, uh. I think I, I can mm-hmm. speak BM uh, fairly, fairly well, uh, enough to communicate. Uh, but then, uh, in in Malaysia now, uh, most of the constituencies are mixed constituencies where you know you have you know between 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 percent uh, of voters uh, who are Malay voters. Uh, I'm talking about you know uh, seats that my party, the DAP, has won. Uh, you know, you talk about those past seats. Uh, you know, those would be 90 over percent Malay, 80 over percent Malay. So uh, if let's say you are competent in your job, but you're unable to communicate with uh, perhaps half of mm-hmm. your voters, then the, the question of uh, whether you're able to communicate that competency, uh, you know, arises. Lah. So I, I, I think, uh, you know, still uh, I would uh, stick to the posi- position that, you know, it would be better for you to be able to speak the national language uh, to make you a more effective uh, politician. Doesn't mean that you're competent, but it will help you in your competency, lah. Uh, and maybe also to, to go into one area that you touched on just now, which I didn't reply directly, is uh, the issue of whether citizenship should be tied into the ability to speak the national language, right? Uh, in Malaysia, there's no such constitutional yep. provision. You know, uh, many of our parents or grandparents, you know, maybe for, for grandparents who, uh, you know, may have recently migrated to, to Malaysia, uh, they would not have studied in BM. You know, my, my father, for example, he studied in English medium school. So his uh, BM proficiency is uh, relatively limited. So I think it would be unfair to expect them to be able to speak BM and to say that, uh, and it would not be fair also to say that they are less Malaysian or less patriotic just because they are not able to speak BM, right? So I I, I don't think uh, we should tie citizenship with uh, the ability to speak uh, the national language, Mm -hmm. especially given the unique historical circumstances uh, in our country. Yep, that is very true. Now we we are going to move on the usage and the role of BM when it comes to a globalized era. So some people have argued that you know whether or not you know BM or not, it's not as important if you know English or even Mandarin because some of them have said that look, you apply for a job, especially if you're going to apply at a multinational company, no one's going to ask you whether do you know BM. They are going to ask you is what they're going to ask you is that, are you able to speak, write, and listen fluently in English or or in Mandarin? Because as we all now know, the US and China, they are global powers. And it seems to be a growing phenomenon that, you know, everyone is starting to pick up these two key languages. So some have argued that, you know, we can just push BM aside. You know, we don't need to place so much emphasis on it. So to what extent do you agree or disagree with this? I don't quite agree with that. Um that kind of a perception or view. Uh, because, you know, when I was Deputy Minister at MITI, uh, trying to attract investments to come into the country, uh, one of the key things that people always talk about and raise is, uh, you know, our language proficiency in Malaysia of different languages, mm. right? So I think many investors, they like the fact that, yes, of course, we have um, many people who have a decent command of uh, English. For those who, you know, want to go into the China market or from the China market, they are also happy that, they have staff who are proficient in uh, the Chinese language. And uh, this does is not only restricted to, to Chinese, uh, but even uh, you know Malay and in, Indian staff who can speak Chinese who went to Chinese primary school. But at the same time, 
uh, to be able to you know access like i said you know uh, the government sector uh, malay companies uh, malay led companies in malaysia and even to penetrate into the indonesian market uh, which is uh, the largest market in asean uh, and increasingly the site of a lot of our technological innovations we also need to know uh, bm uh, so that we can actually have access to that market so uh, if let's say we have ability to speak in all three languages and in fact even more if let's say we include uh, languages like tamil uh, for example then you know we would be in a much stronger position to attract uh, better investments in, into the country mm-hmm. and also to create a uh, higher quality jobs uh. so I, I i don't agree with the sentiment that uh, you know we can push aside bm uh, similarly i don't agree with the perception or the the, the view that oh uh, we we should only speak the national language when it comes to business uh, we can put aside English or, or can put aside uh, other languages such as Mandarin, for example. So I think we should mm-hmm. take advantage of our multilingual situation in Malaysia uh, and not set aside or put aside any languages. So in a way, this will help to make the individual more, more all-rounded. It's more of like, you know, make them better prepared for whatever um, language-related circumstances that they may, they may find themselves in in the future. Especially, for example, yeah. Mm-hmm. For, for example, you're in media, you know, yep. uh, and you're, yes, uh, you're, you're targeting mostly an English-speaking uh, crowd. Yes. Uh, but if, let's say, you, your, your boss, to your boss, right, if, let's say, you're proficient in Chinese, you're proficient in, uh, in Malay, and you can do interviews with uh, different personalities and politicians and uh, celebrities in uh, all, all of these three languages, and in fact, if, let's say, you can do in Tamil even better, mm. then obviously, <laughs> you'll be seen as a more valued employee, right? Yep. Now, similarly, when you go out and get employed by a GLC or a multinational, I mean, uh, you know, the ability to speak more languages is something that uh, would give you a leg up compared to others. So why not? Why why restrict yourself uh, by focusing only on uh, one or two languages when you can uh, have proficiency in more? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully, you know, more Malaysians, especially particularly non-Malays, will be able to see this part, and hopefully, this will encourage them to take the first step in improving or at least picking up uh, more BM uh, vocabulary into their into their daily conversations here. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry? I, I think for the older generation, it's a bit difficult. Uh, but for the younger generation, uh, hopefully, uh, they would be able to be more flexible. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, my yeah. concern is that uh, we are in a situation where people are basically living in their own bubbles. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, they, they don't really have much incentive uh, to get out of those bubbles. Yeah, yeah. Right, so now that you mentioned about seeing the need that, you know, we must all step out of our own bubbles, especially for those, including myself, we know that we are not um, good in conversing in Bahasa Malaysia. So, Dr. Ong, do you have any suggestions or tips for, for people like myself to improve our BM proficiency? Uh, okay, so for, for you, it's quite simple. Do more interviews in, in uh, BM, <laughs> like what we're going to do later. Right, because you can if you can include that as part of your job, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Then definitely your your standard of BM would increase. Just like you know, for me, I have to speak in BM in Parliament. Uh, I have to uh, write some speeches in in BM uh, for Parliament. I have to communicate with my residents and my voters in in BM. So you know that's part and parcel of my job. So you can make it part of your daily routine wherever you are, whether it's in your workplace or among your social circles. You know, even going to let's say the Malay Warung and speaking to the the, the people there uh, in 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 Malay, mm-hmm. I think that would be you know a, a good start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think yeah, like what you say, Doctor Ong. I think the the most practical step is to, you know, be a little bit more willing to incorporate using BM. Would reading, would reading help also? Like reading BM novels, would that help too? Yeah. Or even watching BM dramas. 
Yeah, but you're in the media, so you probably saw the hashtag somewhere. La. <laughs> so, what as what uh, Dr. Ong mentioned just now, the most practical way we can improve our beer proficiency is to, first of all, be bold enough. Don't limit yourself because there is definitely more advantages in learning more than one language aside from your mother language and, and other dialects that you may find yourself comfortable in conversing with. And secondly, read more, listen more, and try to expose yourself more to BM-related literature or media content. So we have come to the end of our interview with Dr. Ong. So we would like to thank him once again for being part of this. And um, to all of our listeners today, we thank you for tuning in as well. And if you like this uh, podcast, please subscribe to us and follow us on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and also Telegram accounts. Thank you, and we'll see you next week.